This is a special recording of Serie A Sit Down, a podcast of World Football Index to get your calcio to go. I'm Frank Cravello. He's Richard Carmen. Richard, what could we possibly be wanting to just do a separate special recording for? That's weird. I don't know. Uh, not like there's anything going on in our lives, right? Um, we did mention something a couple weeks ago, right? We did. Uh, maybe we should talk about that. We put a teaser out there. We put a teaser out there. We announced to... Uh, the Calcio Twitter world that uh, we had an agreement in principle for a new signing, a third person uh, to be part of the Serie A sit down crew. Um, We had agreements in principle, physicals needed to be passed. And I just saw Fabrizio Romano say, here we go confirmed. Okay. And let's not waste any time. The third man of the Serie A sit down team is. Mr. Alex Dono. <laughs> and it's taken a while to get the deal together because Juan Danara is my agent. That's why <laughs> we hit a couple of stumbling blocks. <laughs> oh, God. Welcome aboard to the sit down, my friend. How are you? Cheers. I'm doing so well. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm doing about as well as Inter have been this season. It's a roller coaster. I'm all over the place. Some days I'm up, some days I'm down, some days I'm winning seven-goal thrillers against Fiorentina. Other days, I'm getting punked by Mourinho's Roma, but here we are. And I see that you ripped all of your hair out over that game yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, there there is absolutely not. If there was any left, actually, I ripped off all of my hair during the Calciopoli years. Uh, (laughs) Any remnants that have been left on the head were ripped off during that roller coaster. I mean, that game... That game was bonkers. You know, it was it was poorly officiated from the get-go. I know that the team who ends up losing the game is obviously going to be more vocal about their complaining over the team that won it. But it, it's always – and, guys, I think it's one of the – one of the most uh, – best parts, I guess, about being a Calcio fan. Uh, and sometimes you're on the good end of it. Sometimes you're on the bad end of it. When you're hitting the 94th, 95th minute thinking, mm-hmm. okay, that's what the result is going to be, right? We're dropping mm-hmm. points here in a game where we were up 2-0, then we were up 3-2 to two late. You give up a, a 90th minute equalizer. We're just destined to come away with one point. And then you suddenly get literally at the death, you know, uh, a, a strange goal like the one that Inter got from Mkhitaryan yep. yeah. against Fiorentina. And you go from just resigning yourself to a draw to all of a sudden you're screaming and jumping up and down off of your couch. I think that's the life that we all live, whether you're a Milanista an Interista or anything in between. It's the life we live. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I think, uh, Richard, we probably should uh, give, you know, give our, uh, our, our new member here a, a floor right now to just share with the people what he's going to bring uh, to the city. I sit down podcast. So Alex, what can our listeners uh, and our viewers on our YouTube channel uh, expect of you? Uh, here uh, as a contributor uh, to our fine program? Well, the main thing that I like to try to bring, fellows, is perspective. Um, And I I joined this team humbly knowing that the two of you are two of the very best 
when it comes to breaking down matches, breaking down strategies, breaking down, you know, the players that are up, the players that are down. And obviously I want to add as much as I can to that formula, but I also like to bring long-term perspective because I think that's something that football fans often miss, right? Your yeah. team is on a two-game winning streak and you feel like it's Scudetto. This is our year. You're on a two-game <laughs> losing skid. We've got to right. sack our manager. No panettone for this guy. And it's like, okay, <laughs> sometimes you have to be rational. Sometimes yep. you have to be somewhere in the middle. And I think the big thing that we all have to remember is through the good times and the bad times, as fans, we are just – passengers we are just bystanders unfortunately yeah. all of this is beyond our control so i try to add a little bit of fun into the mix uh, and i try to add some perspective into the mix because i think anyone you know whether you're a juventino or you're a roma supporter napoli if our if our guy jerry who's a huge lazio fan and jerry by the way it looks like lazio may be better with that without cheeto immobile i see yeah. them uh, yeah. I see them comfortably in control here. At the time we talk, Lazio looks like they're on their way to a 2-0 win against Atalanta. Maybe Chiro was what was holding this club back the Caicedo, entire time. Caicedo, greater than Immobile. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still have that shirt somewhere, by the way. But, man, I, I just, guys, I want to be able to add to the joy for the game, the beautiful game that we all bring. Wonderful. Frank, that's uh I was expecting that. I was expecting him to say he breaking up this Milanisti monopoly we have on the show. He's going to bring some balance, yeah. Yeah, bring some balance, <laughs> but that, that works too. That works too. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> well, you know what? The thing is, um and I'm I'm not quite as bad as some of the Interisti that I know, but um I can be brutally honest, right? That you know, when when Inter aren't doing well, I can be one of their harshest critics. I'm not I'm not usually guzzling the Kool-Aid. <laughs> So, you know, if, if there are games when, when Inter totally just, uh, you know, when they screw the pooch, I may be harder on them than you guys are on some occasions. <laughs> the fans would appreciate that. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so what else here? Let's you, – your views on the season um, so far. Uh, you know, what's surprised you so far? You know, what are you still waiting for the other shoe to drop on some certain situations? Just kind of give us your perspective uh, of, of what you've seen uh, through these first number of weeks of the Serie season. Now, hard to believe we're almost already a third of the way into this season. Well, the first thing that stands out to me and anyone who's been watching Calcio this year is I'm really starting to believe that this 2022-23 version of Napoli might actually be different. And this could be a team that is capable of actually crossing the finish line. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously in recent weeks, Atalanta was on a hot run. They were right near the top of the table as well. And you start to kind of wonder, might we actually have some new blood able to seal the deal and win a Scudetto this year? Because, you know, we know the usual suspects, uh, obviously Juventus have won more than anyone but if it's not Juve it's usually Milan or Inter and that's just the way it goes rarely does someone like Napoli who have only done it twice or Roma who have done it three times Lazio have done it twice win a Scudetto like in the case of an Atalanta I don't know if they're just going to have really the depth to be able to get over the finish line they've never won a Scudetto before Napoli haven't won one in 32 33 years by the time this one is decided so I just wonder if a team like that and Napoli obviously the one with the best chance to do it can actually spoil the party because and I do think that Milan uh, are the most complete team and they're the ones who have had that continuity coming off of Scudetto for last year so I still yeah. kind of hesitantly 
would consider Milan to be the favorites there. You know, I kind of wonder if Inter have maybe dug themselves into too deep of a hole already, although they're playing much better football lately. I'm not ruling them completely out, but I don't know, guys. There seems to be something different about this Napoli, and I have to wonder if Luciano Spalletti might actually get to lift uh, some Scudetto hardware because that, that's something that he's been looking for for a long time. I myself have thought that when we were doing it, Richard was higher on Napoli than I was at the beginning of the season. Richard thought that this was going to be a, a special team. And <clears throat> I thought that with all of the changes that I thought it was going to be a struggle over the first several weeks, but it was going to be a rally over the last third, last half of the season mm. uh, into a top four position to where they would be the it team. Uh, for the following year, uh, but boy, they've they've gotten it off the they've gotten it off the blocks quickly, quicker than I expected. Um, which is you know, which is obviously uh, you know, Napoli supporters are really really enjoying this. And you know, last week I did play devil's advocate on this just a little bit. I do think the schedule so far we haven't really seen them pushed. I mean, yes, they beat Milan, but Milan didn't have Leal. Um, they 4-0 in the Champions League, and the argument that I made about that was that this is not the same Ajax team under Ten Hag and all the talent that he had. Rangers is out of their depth, and they caught Liverpool at a very bad period for Liverpool. So you can there's you can poke holes in Napoli right now, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing that as a, as a biased Milanisti. Uh, you know, there's problems with Milan as well. Um, there's there's certainly depth issues if Leal gets hurt. Uh, and if Teo gets hurt, we've already seen what Milan looked like when Teo's not in the team. Um, that game at Stamford Bridge was a disaster mm. uh, in the Champions League. So, you know, there's a lot of – in short, there's a lot of good teams. Napoli is among them, obviously, is their top of the table going into this game with Roma. But the other thing that makes it exciting about this league is that all of these contenders aren't without their flaws either. So. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what's making this compelling. Can teams overcome their flaws over the course of 38 games to be there at the end? Well, that's the thing, too, about this Napoli squad, too, is they haven't been punched in the mouth yet, right? They haven't faced some of the big dogs yet. What will happen when they actually get fight adversity, get go in a slug fight or a fist fight with some of these bigger teams like Inter or whoever? How will they how will they handle that pressure? That's when we find out if they're a real team or not. If they can come through this this tough stretch here and then go through some, you know, the Africa, Africa Cup of Nations and some of these other things are going to take away some of their bodies. If they can withstand through that, they're legit. You know, mm-hmm. probably end of January, we'll know if they're legit or not. Uh, but yep. right now, they're they're excellent. They're one of the best teams in Europe to watch. Uh, it's, how can you not like watching them, unless you're Juventini, I guess. Okay. And there's certain, there's certain things I, I do to an extent kind of, you know, believe that certain clubs have a DNA. And how can I not believe that being a Pazza Inter supporter? You just, you expect the unexpected. <laughs> and I think in, in, in the case of Napoli, it's just, it's so hard to get it over the finish line. I mean, you mentioned, Frank, we're about a third through the season. That means we still have well more than half the Campionato left to play. And, you know, we saw it uh, five years ago, Sadi's Napoli, how close they were to sealing the deal and ending Juventus's long run at the time. And then, Final match days, everything just came off the tracks, right? So, and and it's not like you know, Napoli, for as great as they've been, it's not like they have separation. I mean, they're, you know, they're they're even uh, on the table with a game in hand against Milan uh, at this moment. Uh, so it's not as if they're running away with this thing. I, I think it's going to be a fight towards the end. I mean, maybe some of the teams who are in the top seven may change positions. Uh, Lazio looking great right now, but I'm not sure if they're going to stay. You know, yeah. the 
top part of the the top four for very long. I wonder if Inter can get into a Scudetto race. So it, it's not going to be easy because there is some parity in the Serie A this year. So I'm I'm really wondering if that sort of DNA of Napoli, where they can get so close they just can't get over the finish line, if that may haunt them again. All right, um, let's talk about your team, Inter. You, we, you kind of talked about it pre-show. You kind of talked about it throughout this recording so far. The roller coaster that is Inter, you know, it certainly went through their bad period, um, but then they recover by. 180 minutes of of better results than Barcelona uh, to put them in a position to qualify. I mean, a win over Pilsen here on match day five, and they're in pretty much. Um, what's it been like this season? It's certainly been a little bit rocky. I think last year, first year under Simone Inzaghi, seemed to be a continuation of Antonio Conte. Um, you know, obviously the season before, the Scudetto winning season under Conte, but now things have gotten a little bit more departed from Conte. Are you feeling that that is what is going on with this team? Is it maybe not as much of a belief in Inzaghi's message or just flat out not executing? Yeah, I think the big thing with Inzaghi, and this is the case with most managers in football, he's really only as good as his players in his depth. Whereas Antonio Conte is the type of coach that can bring out something extra. And I think there's really only a handful of those in the world. Right. Most managers are, hey, like you can have sound tactics and proven philosophies, but you're not necessarily going to get something extra out of your players. And in the case of Inter, I mean, they've they've had to deal with most of the season with uh, Lukaku being banged up. And, you know, if any, when he comes back, you have to wonder, is he ever going to reachieve the sort of form he was in with Inter in previous seasons? Uh, and, you know, Marcelo Brozovic banged up. And the only player on Inter's roster who's really been consistently playing at a world-class level is Lautaro Martinez. And even with him, it's not been consistent because he went through a long goal drought. But, you know, he's he's one of the few world-class players on this club. And, yeah, there have definitely been times where, you know, you question Inzaghi's substitutes. I think that's something that's been going on for a lot this year. So, I mean, I think he's a fine manager, but he's not a great manager. But as far as Inter's form goes, uh, you hope that they're going to be able to, to, to sustain something here. And I think, honestly, the the way that they played in those two back-to-back weeks against Barca, I think that could be the catalyst for this turnaround. I, I think that the way that they were able to play in those matches on an international stage, I think, helped to spark a bit of a turnaround uh, domestically as well. And you see that sometimes. A team is really struggling in their domestic league. You get a couple of good performances and results in Europe, and that can the confidence from that can carry over. I think that's exactly what's happening right now. You saw that today, right? Last-minute goal to win the game. Um, those kind of things absolutely can be catalysts, right? And I, I think when you get those big moments, we've seen it before. We've certainly seen it as Milanese, right, Frank, where the team is not playing that well, but you do something really good in like Champions League or something like that, and it, it feeds throughout the rest of the rest of the season. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think if this midfield, you know, it's nice to see Barella healthy again, right? And he's, he's fresh, much fresher than last year. Last year he was worn out extremely, and it showed through his gameplay. So hopefully the midfield gets better for, for Inter, and it'll, it'll, it'll be there till the end, I think, because this is a – Good squad when they want it, but like you said, they're they're Pazza Inter, right? And mm-hmm. uh, never know what you're gonna get with them. Okay, Richard, you got a you got a question? And we get we talked about Napoli, we talked about the contenders, we talked about Inter. What do you got? Um, I you know the only really thing I got to say is you know Atalanta. You know we talked about Udinese. Udinese has been a hot start this year, but Atalanta yeah. just as well defensive juggernauts all of a sudden. 
can they sustain it? I, you know, we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Frank, where other two teams, Udinese and, or I talked about this with the um, the uh, Adriano and Lex, that between Udinese and Atalanta, Atalanta probably can sustain this because they're playing defensive defensively. Mm-hmm. Do we think Atalanta's for real this year? You know, Frank, we we see what they've done defensively. It should sustain it, shouldn't they? <sighs> Well, I mean, obviously today's a pretty bad sample with Lazio, Um, but they've over the course of the season playing this way has served them well. Um, The the fact that they've got no Europe, I think, is a huge boost for Atalanta, Um, you know, and I think that uh, I think it's been surprising that they've had this just tactical reverse of, of how they've played. And I think a lot of it had to do with how poor they were defensively last season. Gasparini in his system, the one thing that you, if, if you get through those two midfielders, those two center midfielders in his three, whether he's playing three, four, one, two, three, four, two, one, if you get between them and the defenders, you've got them. Um, and teams demonstrated that over and over all season last year. And I think that, he has changed things to allow the other team to have the ball, make his team play more compact, take away all of those passing lanes. And when you take a look at what he's got going forward, I mean, Zapata, Lookman, um, I'm leaving names out. Uh, Boga, I think, Boga's Muriel. There. I mean, there's Hoyland. just, I mean, guys that can just fly the other way, you know, so they've taken a departure. It's, it's to the point where the wingbacks aren't as productive anymore due to the tactical shift. They were always a huge yeah. part. You always heard Benetti talking about how they bombed yeah. into the box, you know, and scored off of crosses and it was very noticeable. They're not as productive this year, um, you know, under, under some of the changes that Gasparini has made. And it, it, it's kind of been a reliance on, Hey, we've got some very dynamic attackers that can take care of that load, and we can just beat people on the counter, and we can stretch people. Mix in Malinowski in there somewhere with some creativity, um, Cup Miners as well, and then uh, and, and then off we go. We don't need to try to force the issue and try to have a sixty-five to seventy percent superiority of possession against teams to win. We can win playing like this and it's paid off for them. I mean, it's today's not a, again, today's not a great example of, of, of what Atalanta has been, but I still think, I, I think that this might be a hiccup and I still think that they're a contender and probably not for the title, but top four for for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of, sorry, a couple of good things I want to pick up on what Frank was saying. Um, it's, it's massive for them not to have Europe because I think that that that's been a blessing and a curse for them in recent years, because, you know, they, they've, they've done some good things like in champions league in recent years, but for, you know, a, a club that size and, you know, lack of depth, I think it just takes so much out of them to be having to play in so many competitions. And then what you were talking about with the tactical changes, I think it's it's the sign of, of a great manager being able to adapt and win matches different ways. Yep. And seeing mm-hmm. Gasparini being able to do that, I think, is really cool. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Um, last one, probably the, the big – I mean, the bigger surprise right now. Um, last one for me, at least. Bigger surprise right now. I mean, Udinese, with some of the success that they've had, they lost to Torino this morning, um, which which might curb some of this a little bit. Or Fiorentina really struggling to cope with playing every three days. I mean, that that's an interesting question that we can probably answer for the people here. Um, what answer in the term in the context? What's more surprising to you, Fiorentina's struggles or Udinese's uh, early success? 
I'm going to say both, but I'm going to say <laughs> more surprised by Fiorentina and Matteo Bonetti did a great job articulating this on the uh, the broadcast on Saturday for a team that has been top of Serie A in possession, uh, for a team that's completed so many long balls, for a team that creates so many chances to be in the doldrums that they've been, 14th place domestically right now. It's just the statistics don't match up. I mean, they, they should be a top four team. And I, I think this is why we play the games, right, gentlemen? Because, you know, everyone loves yeah. their their box score, Scudettos. We deserve more <laughs> in this game. We should have won. Look how many opportunities we created. Um, you know, when I was watching, you know, uh, Fiorentina against Inter, and, and they did end up scoring three goals, which is usually enough to win a game. But they also left a lot of chances begging. I mean, it's a team that just struggles once they get into that final third and needing to get that final ball right. It's just something they haven't done enough of. So it kind of makes me feel like it's a statistical aberration for them. Uh, I'm not expecting them to be a top four club or a Scudetto contender or anything like that. But I'm expecting Fiorentina to finish above 14th, uh, the same way I expect Udinese to end up finishing below sixth. So these are a couple things I think that through the course of the Campionato are going to sort themselves out a bit. Yeah, and I think this is for devil's advocate here. You know, I think I agree 100 with what you're saying with Fiorentina. I think, and I and I was high on Udinese this year. I thought they would do well, but for me, well is like 10th position high, and they're way above that right now. They're punching above. They're playing as a team, and I think what we're seeing. Um, at a Sotil is that he can get his guys together to play as a unit and they can get punched in the mouth and they can come right back at it. We saw that several times. Yes, they lost this weekend. It's not a good a good example. Uh, they played a feisty uh, Torino, but every time they faced adversity this season, they fought right back and they, they, they jump past that and score goals and win the games. Um, what they're doing to me right now is, is, is unbelievable because no one, no one thought, people thought they'd be tough to play against for sure. But they're going out and winning games. And, you know, the, the collective group of guys that nobody wants on their teams are finding ways to get big results. And they're making – I don't know if they're going to be top four. I know they're not going to be top four. But the, Europe is calling. Europe is calling. And that's sensational for Udinese considering where they were last year, last couple of years, flirting with relegation. So uh, this the fact that they've took this massive leap this past season or couple of games, half season, whatever you want to call it, since Sotil's been there. That's been that's been the revelation for me with Udinese. Mm. Um, I just barely tip it to Udinese based on the schedule that they've played. And we taught, we articulated this last week, how yeah. Udinese's actually played a more difficult schedule as it pertains to Serie A, if you just look at it, than Napoli. Um, you know, and to, you know, and to look at Udinese and look at that slate, every other Udinese team before this uh, gets 11 points out of that, they would consider that a success. They're on 21. Yeah. Uh, you know, sitting in sixth. So, you know, the, the Fiorentina stuff, I think what surprises me so much with them is how deep they are. I mean, they bought, they, yeah. they've loaded up a lot of players, especially in their midfield. Um, so it's, it's surprising to me that Italiano is having a hard time interchanging. I mean, they're not having a problem with the possession, but they're having a problem with keeping people out. And I don't think it, it could be a, it could be a consequence of having too many midfielders and not having the right mix of stoppers and playmakers. Uh, yeah. um, you know, it could be just they're unlucky. I mean, how much more possession can you have? I've been on, I've been on, and I've coached teams that will just outpossess, will outplay the other team, and then we'll get shit housed. Um, you know, that happens. Uh, that happens in this game. You know, what is uh, 
<laughs> what is, didn't Jose Mourinho say at one time, pardon the language, we'll fuck you on the counter. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, if he didn't say it, then Conte said it. One of them said it. Uh, so uh, that's that may be what could be going on with Fiorentina right now is that Italiano has a surplus of players and just has not gotten the right or consistent mix out there for you know for for established for some long long run success. So, yeah. but what Udinese is doing is is special. I mean, today should have tied it at the end. Beto had a great chance, you know, against yeah. Torino, um, but. You know, I, you know, I, I, I would probably say Fiorentina has a better chance of getting this corrected and working their way back up. I think that it's a better, the odds are better of them doing that than Udinese sustaining what they're doing right yeah. now. So I think that that's for those reasons. I think that maybe, maybe you can say that Fiorentina is maybe the the little bit more surprising here. So, um, but at the right. same time, Udinese <laughs> again. Uh, that, that this opening slate, I think most Udinese fans would have been happy with 11 points. Um, yeah. You know, and just kind of, just kind of flirting with just being above the drop. So, uh, but they've certainly exceeded those expectations. Um, we are going to get out of the way here uh, and uh, tell you to tune in to us on Tuesday night at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where it's just going to be Richard and I, believe it or not. Uh, Alex asked for vacation after his first day you on believe the this job guy? here. You believe Wait, this, this guy? This is the deal that Wanda negotiated for. <laughs> yes. That's why it took so long. But Alex will be back with us for, for, for future podcasts. But we are very excited to bring yeah. uh, Alex on board here. Uh, we're excited to be a power trio. Um, like I said, Rush, get you got nothing on us. <laughs> so um, I'm like Getty Lee shaking. Uh, but uh, but you can check us out uh, on our YouTube channel. You can check us out on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, whatever there's podcasts. There is City Sit Dynam. I'm at FTC underscore 21. Richard, where can they find you? At R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. And last but not least, we'll leave the floor to Alex to give your Twitter handle and then any other comments you would like to make. Sure, yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Alex Donno, D-O-N-N-O. Uh, find me on Instagram. If you search my name, you will find me. And yeah, if you're if you're interested in American football content, I do a lot of that as well. So you'll, you'll see it all in the same place. Wonderful. Um, well, I guess that's a wrap on this one, guys. Uh, it'll be out for the world to see now, and I'm sure there's going to be much excitement. And uh, Richard and I will be back with you guys on Tuesday night. For Alex, for Richard, this is Frank. As always, tell your paisans about us. Ciao. Ciao.